to rattle and pedal. Divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, and getting ready to start this episode, I was looking for a witty intro, and I said, you know, I'm just not as witty as I normally am, and you just told me what I was shocked to hear, which is that what? I never thought you were witty. <laughs> and, and, and you should also know, if, if you're going fishing for a compliment, chances no. are you're not going to get it on this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't even know what that even means, fishing for a compliment. It doesn't make any sense. That's because you're not redneck enough. <sighs> I don't even know what that means either. So on that note, <laughs> welcome, Courtney. <laughs> Hi, yes, from Nashville. I can tell you uh, the answer to these if you need me to. <laughs> okay, okay. We may come back to that. We may come back to that. So, so today is part two of our uh, series with the folks at KnownWell. Today we have Courtney Baker, who's the Chief Marketing Officer of KnownWell, and Pete Buer, uh, Chief Strategy Officer of KnownWell with us. So um, welcome to you both. Thank you for joining us. We're going to do our best to pick, off, pick up where we left off with David, but um, welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here and, you know, who knows, uh, hopefully we are as entertaining to the audience as David was. I think, Pete, we're up to the challenge on that one, right? (laughs) And I'm ready to talk fishing too, if we need (laughs) So true. Yeah, you're actually the person to answer that question. I thought you were going to say ready to talk compliments, which which Jeff never gives, by the way. Yeah. 185 episodes, never given me one compliment. Anyway, keep going. Fun story about our company, KnownWell. We actually had one of our very earliest meetings, uh, kind of the very four, like, founding group on a pontoon boat. We had a flip chart, did the whole meeting on a pontoon boat, kind of really conceptualized a lot about the foundations of the company that way. So fishing works works well, just fine uh, with us. So there's, there's, what was uh, the elixir du jour? Oh, <laughs> sunshine! <Can't> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may have ended with some elixir. Um, yeah, it was. We were in a uh, you know all day meetings, and we were looking for a change of pace, and we were like, let's yeah, let's just bring this uh, flip chart on the pontoon boat. We can do this. Take um, this and honestly, uh, as soon as the idea came up, I was like, we are absolutely going to do this. As a marketer, you know, you're always looking for those stories yeah. when you're founding. Yeah. You're like, oh, we are getting on this boat with a flip chart. This is happening. Uh, And it really was wonderful. We have pictures from that meeting and we got a lot done. There's something to be said for, you know, the water around you just focused, you know, it's just a totally Mm. different creative (laughs) setting. uh, Turns out you got to go pretty slowly in a boat to keep a flip chart standing though. <laughs> True. <Yeah. laughs> that does not sound very artificial to, to me at all. It sounds very human, very yes. human interaction. Ah, here we go. So there a little you go. Bit okay, I want to dive in. So, um, so, so, Pete, where I want to start is with the number thirty thousand, because you brought up in this setup of this of our discussion today 
um, recent announcements from Google. So let's let's start with thirty thousand and tell us what the significance of that number is, and just talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, sure. So I'll I'll give the playback of the news articles that Courtney and I covered um, uh, in in our podcast, but the. 30,000 is the number of quote-unquote affected jobs at Google um, that will um, participate somehow in a restructuring. Uh, and as the headline said, directly as the result of AI. So if this is the ad business at Google, um, and the determination has been made that there are AI applications that can do the better part of uh, a bunch of jobs, 30,000 of them, in, um, uh, at Google. And so that's that's the starting point. Um, and I'll 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 make the leap to um, start what will be a longer conversation about um, company readiness in the face of AI and AI transformation. What is amazing to me about the announcement is there has been so little reference to what becomes of those thirty thousand people. I'm a shareholder at some level. I love the fact that Google's figured out a way to be 30,000 jobs worth of more efficient. But at the same time, I'm wondering to myself, what's the labor market impact? What's the internal engagement impact um, of these folks all, you know, receiving some manner of notice, whether it's departure or your job is changing or whatever, right? Um, Now, maybe the silence... um, is just because that's the way it's been reported. And maybe inside the four walls of Google, there's great talent planning, human agency conversations going on. Um, but I guess my anxiety is that also maybe that's not the case. And you have a good reason to believe that. I'm not saying specifically to Google, but uh, I'm just sort of jumping ahead and we'll jump back. But, yeah. but um, you know, you guys study AI readiness at, at, in depth, and you, you mentioned in our pre-call that, that, that this is a dimension where a lot of organizations are not ready. Yeah. So um, there are places where companies are more ready and places where they are less ready. And one of the places where they are less ready, as we've determined through use of our readiness assessment, is around stewardship of talent and human agency in, um, in, in setting policy and um, driving transformation in the business. Um, it's kind of the, the forgotten conversation in a lot of companies, and in a lot of companies, HR isn't even in yet uh, uh, discussions of uh, large-scale transformation and strategy shift driven by AI, uh, and so that, that's, that's concerning to me. And what does that look like? Does that mean they literally have no plan for what they're going to do with the, the displaced talent? Yeah. Um, or, yes. or, or is there full intention just to basically let those people go and not I, even worry about it? You know, b- business leaders aren't bad people. And so it tends to be sins of omission rather than commission when, when these sorts of uh, discoveries occur. Um, I will say by way of the readiness assessment, we're seeing that um, the leaders taking the assessment recognize it. So that's a, that's a good thing, right? Um, and I think probably it's one of these uh, issues where you sort of figure we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I just don't think that leaders, particularly in professional services, where the scale of impact is going to be quite significant, um, I don't think they're looking far ahead around the corner at what some of the implications for um, people are going to be with some of the changes coming. 
Pete, if they were looking ahead and anticipating, what would they be doing? Um, I think there's a very scientific um, exercise um, that companies should be going through right now to basically lay out roles across the business and to take their best understanding of where AI, either strategically and operationally or on the front line, is going to affect jobs. Like, we, we know enough from what's been published by Bain and Deloitte and others that there are certain roles that are going to be affected more so than others. We even know at some level, finger to the wind, what percentage of work in these roles is going to be taken over by automation. And so from a workforce planning perspective, we should be applying some assumptions to what's going to happen with these roles and start thinking about come, I don't know, the six-month mark of 2024 or turn of the year, uh, based on where we stand with our implementations, what we can anticipate as the as to the number of uh, individuals who are going to be affected, and then how are they going to be affected? Maybe they're going to be enabled. Uh, maybe they're going to need to do some reskilling um, to think a little bit differently about how their job and their work gets done, or maybe they're going to need to move on. And let's start getting some um, some estimates and some plans in place so that we're not completely flat-footed when that time comes. I will say just to circle back to the Google story, what is so alarming is this is obviously Google is almost always ahead of all of us. Uh, and so it's just more frustrating that they're not leading with that story along with this departure of, you know, they really do model so much. I mean, we look to Google for all kinds of expertise on leadership and how to do things well. And yet in this realm, there's just a void. Again, to Pete's point, we don't know that it's not happening. It just doesn't they're not talking about it. And so it's a really important moment for there to be this void. And it leaves you with a question mark as why Google would leave us with a question mark. Um, even if, a, so if they are doing something, <laughs> they aren't telling us. Yeah. It's, this is a leadership moment, right? Like imagine um, how much better um, position the next company would be if Google had said, you know, very proactively, and we're taking a stance and we're going to do this, that, and the other thing to look after our folks, right? That would that would set a precedent, but instead um, we've got silence on the topic. And so next company that makes a big move is going to be okay delivering silence. And that, that's not where we want to be as businesses, right? As, as leaders, we've got a responsibility to our to our people and our shareholders, right? To, to get to the next um stage of our reality in a, a prudent, ethical, responsible way. I find the optics on a lot of these things sort of alarming. I, I wrote an article to start out the year on priorities for the year for professional services firms. And uh, one I had, one of my, my priorities was to overinvest in people and client relationships. And what I pointed out was the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition that EY had last year where they, they invested $1.4 billion in AI and they laid off three thousand senior level roles. So it's like these like these awkward juxtapositions where on the one hand we're making this really you know relatively large investment in technology, mm -hmm. while on the other hand we're saying well you know we're, we're also we're not doing well enough to keep people on staff. We're going to cut these roles. And and I, and I I think that those things two things are really fascinating that that leaders are, are need to struggle through. To your point of of what the workforce, how it's impacting the workforce and, and what they need to do. So, yeah. and um, it's, 
it's not a choice. Like it's not an either or thing. You you need yep. to become more efficient and more effective through the use of technology, and you need to figure out the right way to steward talent. Right. So, yeah. And workforce is just one dimension of readiness, right? So, what what are the other elements of readiness as it relates specifically to a professional services firm? We said in the in the onset of this that that professional services has the maybe the most to lose from AI because they have the potential for the most disruption. So it's really critical that they get it right. Yeah. So uh, there's there's a, a number of great data points. The one that we we reference. Um, with some frequency is is the Bain um, study that says 40% of labor in professional services will be um, reallocated to technology and be affected. And presumably that's not just like 40% of jobs, right? It's 40% of work across all kinds of jobs. And that math quickly gets you to a conclusion that, I don't know, half the company is going to be uh, effect or half the work of the company is going to be affected. Um, and that's major. Like that is, that's transformation work, not just tool adoption or um, technology implementation. That's changing the fundamentals of the business. It's why we love professional services and why we focus on it as an industry. Um, it is the, the sector, I guess, that's um, has the most at, at, at risk, but of course, at the same time, the most to gain. Um, through, through use of AI, professional services firms are going to be able to push their business model, you know, ever closer to a product or a product platform uh, profile business with totally different uh, profitability uh, uh, and, and capability. So, it's, it's super exciting. Anyway, um, to answer your question, um, we have developed at Knownwell um, a readiness model that asks the question for companies as those in professional services, um, how ready are you to go through transformation? And so we, we kind of cover the, the waterfront of considerations, the sort of the, um, the highest impact levers that you should be pulling, the highest impact capabilities you should be assessing um, to be sure that you're ready to drive some big change. And the buckets are um, first um, strategy and knowledge, you know, how how smart are you about the technology, about its implications for your business, and have you made um, decisions about how you're going to change to accommodate it? Uh, leadership and culture, are your leaders ready to drive change, and have you asked yourself the question whether uh, culture will suffer or thrive amid these sorts of changes that we're talking about? Um, talent and operations, that's kind of been our focus of the conversation through to here. How will the design of work change? How will jobs change? How will teams change? And what are the implications for how you run operations and how you manage talent? Um, uh, forgive me. Okay, data and technology. Um, is your tech stack modern and ready to handle um, the demands of AI? And is your data organized and clean and have you targeted um, uh, where in your business the best AI applications for, for data sit? Do you have the right skills and capabilities, data science? And then lastly, uh, fifth category is responsibility and governance. So are you, um, have you inventoried your risks? Do you have policies in place? Uh, and have you taken a stance on things like impact on the environment, impact on humanity, right? Um, so anyway, that's the, the waterfront of considerations that sit inside the model. 
question for you. My guess is, tell me if I'm wrong, and Courtney, maybe you can answer this. Yeah. When you talk to firms or clients about readiness, they probably jump to number four, data and technology, and they think that's all that readiness is. They, everything else is like completely irrelevant <laughs> to them. It's like, do we have the data stack in place? And that's all they think about, right? Am I, am I right or am right. I wrong? I think you are wrong. I think you're, I mean, <laughs> actually, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're totally right. Um, <laughs> Jeff tells me I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like default for me. I don't know what that is, Jason. Um, <laughs> I think you're totally right. And I, I will say, even with that being true, you know, as we've had more and more uh, people take the assessment in general, maybe outside of some technology firms, almost everybody across the board is not ready. And of course that can be expected. This is brand new technology. We wouldn't expect anybody to be just like <laughs> soaring through their readiness. Um, but it is surprising. You would think, I thought going into this that we might see some areas where they were higher, maybe, um, you know, in the talent department that you would see areas that had spiked and really across the board, uh, there's really a lot to be gained in readiness. Yeah. So I'll, I'll jump in and, and I, I actually have the data window into um, the question that, that you're asking. And Courtney's right. Across the board, readiness is low. Uh, like I, That said, um, companies do recognize the long pole in the tent is getting your data stack um, or your tech stack and your data straightened out. And so where investment is happening, it tends to be there. And that tends to be the one of the five pillars of readiness where the most activity is happening. Now, is it strategy-led? Is it, you know, as thoughtful as it could be? Those are different questions, but um, that is the place where companies feel like they are more ready than in others. So, uh, they, they feel they're more ready, and it's their highest priority at the same time? You know, we don't test priority, but in conversations, um, what you find is that, I don't, I don't even know that I would say it's, it's priority. It's just um, it's the concrete thing that they know yeah. they need to get on top of, and um, they need to have a prioritized list of technology investments, you know, uh, at any given point in time. So they're just channeling their energy into making sure that they're up and running. We actually talked about this on a recent episode of our threats and opportunities, and you even just mentioned that huge investment on AI and technology. What was it? 1.4 yeah it's 1.4 billion 1.3 billion from EY yeah so massive investment into the technology yet the technology is progressing at a massive rate my yeah. concern is a lot of these companies are most likely trying to build their own thing and yet you have all of these companies that pretty soon, especially in mid-market, we're just going to be able to buy off the shelf and deploy in our organizations uh, where, you know, some of these larger organizations may already be trying to build it themselves and yeah. just throwing away money. So, yeah. it'll be really interesting to see how that investment plays out. Um, and again, where maybe there's more of an emphasis on the technology and maybe that's not the the right place. You know that we need to keep that tracking at the same rate. Some of these other areas are moving along. Isn't that so typical, though, of, of technology? Right? Uh, Accenture yes. has said for decades, people, process, and technology. But everybody emphasizes the selection and implementation of the technology, and they just neglect all that training and other stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I was I can't remember now if it was your podcast, Courtney, or if it was a different one I was listening to. And the, the analogy they were making with AI was um, with some cloud technologies. And the idea was that in this case, they were talking about Apple. And what they were saying was, you know, Apple in, in, in a single swipe can just sort of wipe out whole companies and whole industries if they choose mm-hmm. by just making something that is um, not a, a feature or a functionality of their core OS part of the core OS. And all of a sudden, massive investments made and whatever it might be, map technology is completely wiped out and irrelevant, and those apps disappear, and it all just rolls right into, into Apple. And yeah. I see the same analogy here where it's it's sort of like you make massive investments in something and then... Microsoft just rolls it out as part of the co-pilot. So that, that, that's, we have that fun now. And so you just wasted, you know, <laughs> months and months of effort, millions of dollars into what end. And it, it's fascinating to me too, is I also, my guess is I also would imagine firms like leadership and culture, they're probably like, oh, well, they don't want to talk about that because it's mushy and vague and, and they don't really, but, but when you go back to the conversation we had last time with David, that's what jumped out was maybe the most important thing to be talking about because that's the most human thing in the five elements, right? Right. 100%. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. Pete and, and Courtney, I want to ask you a question. This one's kind of going backwards a little, uh, but it, it 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 speaks to, uh, I think, to some degree, culture of an industry, um, and you know the impact on professional s- services firms uh, specifically. When when I think about professional services, because I got my start in the accounting and consulting space. The the accounting industry has been through a lot of technological change. Um, you know, from moving from general ledger books, right, to software, to whatever. Um, so it makes me wonder if somehow <laughs> genetically they're made for this type of change. But I'd like to get your perspective on how is this change different from that change? Not just in terms of magnitude, but of mindset and approach. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a stupid question. I, I, it, I, I don't think it's stupid at all. And, and um, we, we spent some time with a customer uh, recently re- wrestling with this question. The, the technology enablement that happened in finance and accounting, for instance, um, previously was was about making more efficient the work that the humans were doing. Um, but what AI is now doing in accounting and finance is doing the accounting and finance work. And if you grew up in that profession, you are massively uncomfortable uh, with a proposition like that. And so, um, I think you get there with time, and it's like anything else. Like the machine can take a first pass, and you can clean it up, right? But it's um, culturally uh, anathema um, to think that you wouldn't, at the end of the day, put you know be the one who's um, you know on the line and and 
balancing, <laughs> you know, the, the left side of the, uh, the sheet and, and the right. And so for this company that we were talking to, that's actually one of the biggest challenges for them was culturally how to drive this change, how to, how to get, um, uh, technical specialists in a field to a place where they're willing to let go and, and ironically elevate themselves to activities that are more value adding you know, than the ones that they, that they were doing. It's, it's a real thing. I bet it's a real mental block in a lot of professional services firms where they, they, they see their role as the execution. I'm going to go back to the five layers discussion, right? Five layers. I did it again. The five out five layers of a cake. Who knows where, <laughs> who knows where this is coming from? Um, but they, but their identity is tied up in the execution, not in the advice or the direction or the guidance. And when you take the execution away, they're a little bit lost. They don't know what to do um, as individuals. I, I think that, I think that's right. And I think consulting is a place where you're you're seeing it right. Like you, you, you as the you know lead on an engagement in traditional management consulting, you are valued for how smart you are when you show up and your ability to have impact in the moment. Right. And if, if technology can do 70% of that, um, that, that goes to the heart of who you are as a professional and, and how you see yourself in the mirror when you get up in the morning. It's a, it's a big deal. I will add a, a caveat to this conversation that I think is interesting. And that is, you know, you, we're talking about that through the lens of somebody that has been a, an accountant. You know, they've done accounting for years and years and years. Um, and this shift that they have to take, and I think there's also the shift of brand new accountants. How do we, are they able to tell, because they haven't had the experience, if the books are right? You know, and maybe this is a little harder than maybe saying uh, a marketing professional, you know, I've had all the years to gain the expertise so that when I'm utilizing AI tools, I can judge very easily what's good or bad. Or even, uh, I think we had somebody on the show that was talking about software engineering, you know, that this was such an incredible tool. But for the people just starting on those career paths, it's a totally different ballgame. They don't have that expertise. And so figuring out how we're going to solve that talent problem is another readiness thing that I think is going to be really huge in the years to come. And, you know, and then there's out, outside of your four walls, beyond what your own team has to go through from a cultural change perspective, there's the customer, right? Is the customer ready to get, you know, consulting by way of a chatbot? Yeah. It, it makes me think, it, this is a simplification, but the core competency of a consultant or a professional services person, in my mind, is pattern recognition. The ability to identify what patterns are present, what the exceptions are within those patterns. And it makes me wonder if that same core competency exists, but the patterns that we're looking for now have shifted. So what's the pattern to identify in the exceptions? I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, and that's really... That's so interesting, too, because when you use the word pattern, that is the one, like, my, all the bells go off because that's what AI can do so well is Me to too. see those patterns. And so it's like, is that actually what we need to do? Because it's very yeah. good at that. 
My hmm. what I was going to piggyback what you said, Courtney. But that's where my head went right away, and my thought is that if that's the central value proposition of any advisor or, or consultant, then probably the essence of the value proposition needs to change. It needs to be about creativity, guidance, leadership, uh, innovation, cre- things that only humans can do. Because pattern recognition is going to be done way better by AI than than we can possibly do it. Yeah, well, um, AI even, can crunch more patterns than we can, um, right. faster I than mean, we ever could. If you look at Knownwell's client intelligence tool, that's basically what it you know what it's doing. Yeah. It's sitting there in the middle of everything happening with your clients, um, and looking at patterns that we as humans just can't do. I mean, it's just uh, going through so many different pieces of data and serving up mm-hmm. signals to you. And so that that's going to be an interesting piece. I think what you said is really, it's really wise. Well, I have another question I want to ask. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, but, but I just want to finish this up because um, Courtney just insulted my idea and told me I was just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, Courtney. Hey, Courtney. He does this to me yes. all the time. He wants, yes. to, he wants to invite a guest to be a co-host. So if you'd like yes. to come and be my new co-host. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'd be glad to any time. She's proven. She's proven that, that she could do it. So let me build on my idea because I think you're absolutely right. Is the skill, the ability to identify the pattern that is the exception or that is not present? Hmm. i.e. the creative opportunity that exists outside of what the AI is seeing. Yeah, I think there's definitely the opportunity for that. Um, And I do think there's the opportunity for what it fuels you, you know, the patterns that it is recognized that we have the creative idea that is outside of the things that it can even have purview into. Um, I do think the thing that we bring, and we talk about this pretty frequently, is there's a lot of inference and pattern recognition, but the ultimate judgment is ours. You know, to be able to judge what it brings us is a human activity, and it, it does not have the context to even be able to say if something is a creative idea. I wouldn't even be able to do that. And so the judgment sits with us, but utilizing it to give us this rich, just unhuman ability to crunch all of this information for us and serve it up to us, you know, it's going to be a whole new world. Have any of you seen the movie? It just came out in the last year, Gran Turismo, by the way. I haven't. Seen the trailer. So the, the movie is about, basically, it's, it's a story about how Nissan took these uh, gamers who were, who were uh, simulating racing in Gran Turismo and then turned them into actual auto racers. And there's a really cool scene in here where the, the gamer, the, the, the central character, he's playing the game. And in the game, it, it illuminates the path forward that you should take based on thousands of people driving this thing. This is the most efficient way. And he keeps going off the line. And his dad's looking. He's like, why do you keep going off the line? He's like, well, because a lot of times when I go off the line, I can beat the people next to me because they're all doing that and I'm doing something else. And the whole essence of the idea is there's a pattern. He recognizes the pattern and he recognizes he can beat the pattern and that the pattern's actually 
problematic. And I actually think that that's sort of kind of the essence of what we're talking about is that, that creative wisdom to say, wait a minute, the pattern says this, but I'm going to do that. And that's going to win. Jason, this is going to annoy the hell out of you, but (laughs) it's true. Um, we, and this kind of goes back to the conversation we had with David as, as well. And, um, kind of his ideological, uh, philosophical or theological perspectives. What I hear you saying, and I am biased, is we're really talking about a virtue of prudence, uh, uh, of the ability to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And maybe that is the virtue of the the future. I mean, it is the cardinal virtue, by the way, so makes (laughs) sense. But... um, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, that's that's what we're talking about. I think it's I think it's beautiful, and it's it's getting you know ma- machine to um, its greatest uh, point of contribution, and and human to our greatest point of contribution. It should be a lovely combination. As eloquent as that was, and it makes me want to stop right there. I have one question that I really have been thinking about a lot, and that is when you look at the elements of readiness and you look at all the people that have in companies that have taken your readiness assessments, are firms ahead or behind? Are professional services firms ahead of their peers? I mean, a lot of clients are turning to firms for advice on AI, but are the firms ahead of them or are the firms just at parity? Hmm. Do you have any sense? What a fun question. My, I don't know if, if I'm answering it, but my answer would be um, professional services companies have done a better job figuring out what the AI implications are for their customers and how they can um, improve their value delivery to customers and their interaction with customers than they have assessing themselves and figuring out what it is they need to do to evolve their business to be effective and get to the optimal point of, um, you know, machine human combination, Uh, you know, like when you, when you unpack it into the elements of readiness, um, companies have spent a fair amount of time looking at strategy, strategic risk, customer implication, but they have not spent a lot of time or enough time on implications for, um, management of talents and how leadership needs to change to, uh, manage transformation and and what culture looks like going forward. So that'd be my take. Cue the rattle and pedal episode on the cobbler's children. I was thinking the same thing, Mr. And Mrs. Client, we're going to tell you how to do this, even though we've never done it for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Courtney's uh, comment about, you know, this huge investment in build it on your own almost is, and I've seen this in the firms I've been in, you know, that's kind of the training in R and D development on yourself in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You learn some good stuff, but you learn a lot of stuff not to do, I suspect. Yeah. Well, what, I guess, what would be your one piece of advice for a professional services firm leader right now that has Maybe they've gone through your readiness assessment and they found that they're 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 not they're not where they want to be or where they need to be. What what where what's the best place to start to get I, themselves closer to ready without knowing the results of their assessment? Obviously, yeah. I 
personally, I go to leadership um, in in working with customers directly. Um, I find that um, the leadership team uh, oftentimes is not um, uniformly up to speed on challenges to the business and is not uniformly aligned around the top three things we need to get done across the next 18 months. And you know, if you've got your team behind you and they're working their tails off, not a whole lot um, can can get in your way. And so um, there's a lot to get in your way in this uh, in this transformation. I think more than anything else, having the leadership team aware and chugging uh, is the most important bit. Courtney, what do you think? Yeah, I would say in addition to that, you know, if you want to just uh, the draw of using the technology quickly. I totally get that. And if you are, if you know, like, Hey, to get our leadership team, we need to run an experiment or we need to do something like that. I would say two disclaimers there to make sure that it is to drive value to the customer, not just in the view of, Hey, let's make ourselves more productive or just to use the technology for the technology's sake. Really find a way that it drives value for your customer in your experiment and then do it together. Don't just do a task force where, you know, three people are going to gain all the knowledge about utilizing the tool. Keep your leadership team involved and informed and part of that process of learning while doing. Those would be my two things I'd add. I really like that advice. I, I particularly like the advice about making it for the client. And I go back to your data, and I'm going to get the data wrong, but I believe David told us that 99.5% of AI experiments have been done at the execution layer. <laughs> altitude, execution altitude. Oh, my gosh. But the, and the... Um, the idea that about personal productivity, people are just focused on personal productivity and, and that's not really helping the client necessarily. So, okay. Uh, a couple things. If someone wants to take your AI readiness assessment, where do they do it and how do they get in touch with both of you? Yeah. So you can get our assessment. You can take it right now at knownwell.com slash assessment. And then if you also are interested, maybe you listen to David's podcast or this podcast and are wondering about um, our intelligent enterprise operating system and known well client intelligence and want to be part of our beta group, you can sign up for the beta waitlist at knownwell.com. Uh, Pete, you and I, every week you can hear us on the AI Know How podcast to break it down the news and a lot of discussions around AI. And we each week we interview AI experts. So that's where you can find us. Anything I left off, Pete? No, that's perfect. And I would also highly recommend the, 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 the podcast. It's a fabulous show. Um, you both do a wonderful job, as does David. And, and I believe the chief product officer, whose name is... Rohan Rao. I wanted to say Rao. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to spend time with both of you. I really appreciate you sharing your insights with, with us and with our audience. And uh, until next time, thank you so much. Thank you so much in return. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal. Divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com.
Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. 